You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. Brendan and I are coming to you on Friday, August 26th, and we are here to talk about a five-game series, a whopping five-game series with the St. Louis Cardinals Brendan, we had a doubleheader. We had a mm-hmm. rubber match there on Thursday. The Cubs dropped that one, so their series winning streak is over. And, yeah. you know, kind of a healthy mix in this series, I would say. We saw some good baseball from the Cubs. We saw a frustrating one to nothing loss on an Albert Pujols home run to start this series. Felt very reminiscent of yours and I's childhood, um, the did. game on Monday. Yeah. It was a trigger. We yeah. saw some good Cubs baseball. We saw some blowouts, uh, a little bit of everything in these five games. We saw a Hall of Fame announcement. Corey, you're burying the we lead did. over yeah. here. I know you, Luke, and Cody talked about that. So Luke and, and Cody and I talked about it in the post game on Wednesday. So if you want to hear more uh, on the Pat Hughes stuff, we, we did touch on it a bit. But I, I you know, definitely wanted to get your thoughts, Brendan, and you know, we would be remiss to not at least start there. Um, it, it was such an interesting presentation, you know, with Crane Kenny, and then they cut over to the radio booth. Everybody was very confused. And, you know, then you kind of start to piece together like, oh, I see what they're doing, and this is very wholesome and yeah. just awesome. Um, Pat's reaction was everything. His ability to kind of turn the focus away from himself is always something that I, I find just so genuinely amazing, right? It takes him two seconds to say, wow, I'm so appreciative, but let me talk about all the people that got me here and um, other people, you know, to, to like take the attention away from himself. Uh, but just what a what a moment at, at Wrigley Field. Oh, yeah. um, nice that the Cubs kind of got a win surrounded by that, but just an, an incredible, wholesome, and very well-deserved, obviously, moment for Pat Hughes. I thought Pat may have known because they were talking about the Hall of Fame class this upcoming uh, September. And Pat says, so who's the broadcasters in this? And I'm like, all right, like this is for sure about to be an announcement. Pat already knows. Uh, but the genuine authentic reaction for Pat was, was unbelievable. Uh, I know you'll be watching that on I already have next year. Yeah. yeah. How many times have you a watched lot. it? At least a thousand times yeah, already. Yeah, I'm sure you did all the, the entire He day. has like a little, there's but, like a little uh, raise in his eyebrows when he clearly reads whatever's on the sheet. And it's just adorable. I know. 
But you know what? Like uh, before he was getting that announcement, just like watching him call the game, I've never seen that before. Like his focus, there was a fly ball down the right field line and he's tracking it. And you would think maybe some of these guys look at the TV screens or the monitors. He's, he's tracking the ball, right? And so I thought that was interesting to see his process and how focused uh, he actually is, how much effort uh, he gives because it seems so effortless when, when you do listen to him. But that was wholesome. He deserves it. I was, again, listening to you guys on Wednesday night and you, Corey, listen to Pat throughout your childhood growing up and I know like Cody and myself we more so listened to the TV broadcast uh Chip Carey when we were younger and then Len Casper for so many years but over the last like seven years because I haven't been able to watch a lot of like the early part of the games live like I've grown to know Pat more in my like adulthood fandom which is the reverse I think of like you if you've been listening to Brendan and I've you know, before we we joined CHGO, I've I've talked about this before, um, and I'll do it again because Pat deserves it. You know, we talked about it last night, but he deserves more, more time than we can give him. So we're going to talk about it a little bit again. But uh, a huge, you know, the, the main reason that I'm a Cubs fan is obviously I grew up in, as Brendan knows, the mean streets of Buffalo Grove, Illinois, right? BG. Right. And, uh, you know, my family is just a long line of, of Cubs fans, and that's how I get into it. And, you know, of course, I'm seven years old when Sammy Sosa's uh, in the 98 home run race, Kerry Wood is debuting, things like that. But I, I really get, I, I turn into the person you're listening to now, right? The psychotic Cubs fan that you're listening to at this moment around 2003, right? I, I'm 12 years old. I'm at that perfect age where like I can now like kind of fully, you know, appreciate sports and understand what's going on, things like that, and allow it to just consume every single portion of my being, right? For better or worse. And you know, going to school and summer camp and hockey practice and things like that, you're not sitting at home watching the games. And there was no MLB TV. I didn't, you know, we didn't have iPhones and internet on those flip phones, Brendan. My dad would have killed me if I was checking the score every 30 seconds. I actually did. I actually did. Yeah, would have cost, cost my mom's uh, phone, phone bill. bill would have been through the it roof. Was, it, was actually a, it was actually a scene. I messed up. A lo- you know, a ton of my formative years as a Cubs fan were spent with a portable AM radio that I had or, you know, on the the radio in my dad's car or something like that on the way back from hockey practice. And so I'm, you know, sneaking out of class to go to my locker to check the score. And the only way to do that is to wait for Pat or Ron Sano to tell you what's going on in the game. So, so much of the beginnings of my Cubs fandom are centered around Pat Hughes and at the time, Ron Sano. And so I just associate so much of being a Cubs fan and my love of the Cubs with Pat. Um, I, I think I would have been a Cubs fan regardless, but I think the passion that I have, the love that I have, and the way that I feel about the Cubs is due really in large part to Pat Hughes. Um, mm-hmm. I Well, he's the only remaining link other than Wrigley to your like childhood right. fandom. Uh, within this franchise right now. Yeah. So he's part of Wrigley in that original uh, uh, drawing to this team. Yeah, he's just been a, a constant throughout uh, both of our entire yeah. lives and, you know, fandoms as as Cub fans. So um, 
I, I went on a, you know, kind of lengthy Twitter thread on uh, Wednesday night after these announcements came out, but there, there's just so many ways to describe Pat, but I think the best way is just there's there's such a sense of familiarity and comfort that he brings with his broadcasts. He is, of course, very good at articulating what's happening in the game and painting the scene, but he just has an innate ability to make you feel like you're a part of something bigger, right? You're not just listening to a baseball game. Mm-hmm. He he really has a way of encapsulating what it means to be a Cubs fan, what it means to be a part of this fandom and this larger community. And it all just comes across in the way that he broadcasts. I always describe it as it, he, he feels like a you're listening to a family member, a close family member who has invited you to the game and is so eloquently and vividly describing it all to you. Um, And I, yeah, I mean, I could go on for this full hour. I could go on for another hour tomorrow on what Pat means to me. And I think I, you know, I, I don't ever like to speak for other people, but I think a lot of people relate to those sentiments in terms of... He transports you like into the game, right? So it's like, it's a complete, you know, like... Uh, it's almost like a meditative experience because whatever you're doing, if you're listening to Pat and you're listening to like all the detail he's giving you, uh, Luke said there was an example where uh, a fly ball was to right field and Pat's describing the glittering of the sun off the guy's right. glasses in right field, right? And it's that detail because it does distract you from whatever you're doing. So it does transport you back in the game. Again, like for me, it's different than you, Corey, because I couldn't get the radio in Arizona. When I moved away from Buffalo Grove, like I was just stuck on WGN for maybe 70 games a year. And then in between that, I would just stare at my computer screen watching game day, like all, all the time. So I didn't get that I didn't get that pad experience other than me visiting Chicago like, during the summers. So for for me, you know, I listen to Pat when I'm at work and I can't watch the games. And it does kind of like, it, it just tracks you. It's like a great, like a miniature vacation, so to speak. So for that, like I, like over the, again, the last seven years, especially some of the weird stuff and, you know, work-related stuff, it's, I'm, I'm genuinely grateful that like Pat provided that type of distraction. It's like, it's very, it's very healthy. And the a level of detail that he goes into the games, there, there's feel better. I don't think I could get that type of experience from anyone else, Corey. You know, especially for you living far away and, you know, he has this ability to still make you feel like you're at Wrigley or that you're like really experiencing not just the game itself, but the entire like vibe and environment. Like you can live in LA and if you listen to Pat Hughes every day, you still feel like so connected to the yeah. Cubs and Wrigley Field in a way that like almost shouldn't be possible because you're not there, right? But Pat yeah. Hughes brings you there. Um, well, it reminds it like it reminds me too sometimes of those July summers where like I'm driving down like Lake Cook Road and Pat's on the, right. on the radio. You do you do get reminded of that as you do maybe going into your locker, you know, ditching class to find out the Cubs are losing the game or not. Uh, 2004, so it does have that. Were, yeah, it was probably <laughs> losing to the Reds or something. Yeah, that's when I blew up my mom's phone bill because I was checking the game. And I remember like Corey Patterson struck out to end the season. I was so upset about that. Um, Anyway. Yeah. So I, again, like I I could go on forever, but it was a very cool moment, very well executed by the Cubs um, to do it that way. So we could get that kind of reaction. And 
Yeah, I, you know, in, in one of those tweets yesterday, I described Pat as he, he's like a warm cup of tea on a bitterly cold winter Chicago night, right? Yeah. Or being hugged in the warmest blanket that you've ever felt in your life um, as you fall asleep. There's there's just something so comforting about him, and um, yeah, he just feels like family. I, I, I could not be more grateful that he is the person we've been able to listen to on the radio and that he represents our favorite team. I feel very lucky for that. And oh, we're beyond lucky. whatever award or honor is bestowed upon him, it'll never be enough, frankly. From, well, the from next one is Cooper, The real Hall of Fame. After yeah. this. Yeah, yes, yeah. like five more years, whenever it ends up being. Yeah. So uh, again, if you if you want, I could do like with a, John Lester, by the way. Could you hold on? Could you imagine that Lester and Pat Hughes in the same cycle? I mean, are you trying to kill me? Jeez, <laughs> the thought just came to me. I'd have to go to Cooperstown. That? I've never been, but I would oh, have to I'd, go. I'd go with yeah. you. We'd for sure go. Yeah, John, it's me. <laughs> yeah. Your friend, oh, your friend Corey. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So, uh, you know, look, maybe Brendan and I, you know, we can set up a CHGO Patreon. You can do a, a premium right. episode where it's five hours of me talking about Pat Hughes. Yeah. Um, but let's look at this series with the Cardinals. Uh, so again, Brendan, ups and downs. Uh, it started with a one to nothing Cardinals win on Monday. The lone run in this game is an Albert Pujols home run. He is just a handful from 700. I, I, you know, I don't know. How did you feel about on Thursday the, the Cubs doing a little bit for him and Yachty? It didn't end up being very much. I think they showed like a single picture on the video board, and then they did what they usually do for some of these guys, which is uh, give them the, you know, their number tile from the scoreboard. Very, uh, you know, kind of like mixed reactions. If you want like the true, like visceral reaction, you got to listen to our guy Cody Del Mendo on the post game show from Thursday, because boy was he not pleased that the <laughs> that the Cubs did this. <laughs> um, and and honestly, I think he said later he probably could have gone even harder, but he was you know trying just to not tear his voice out by screaming into the microphone. But did you care about that at all? I, I mean, maybe I'm a little bit old school when it comes to this, but I, I hate that stuff. Okay. Like, you can honor them. Just do it in the dugout. Like, go up to them, give them the whatever the Wrigley number thing, like, in the dugout in the clubhouse. Here's your gift. Thanks for, you know, your support, growing growing the sport over the years yeah. at Wrigley, and that's it. Like, no fan wants to see that. Cubs like, fan. Yeah. yeah. Like, no one wants to see yeah. that. And you do the same thing. You did not to get you know too deep into this, but that was the same thing you did for Aramis. There was no difference than handing Aramis a number from the scoreboard. So you kind of gave the same farewell to one of your historical great third basemen mm-hmm. as you did to Albert Pools. I have a problem and with that. Yachty. So Andy and yeah. Yachty. So I, I I mean I don't really care, but since we're talking it about it, like I do care. find it I, well, I'm just a little bitter about Aramis, man. Yeah. I, I, I miss him, and I miss Derek Lee, and he has been back no, a little I, bit more, but yeah, I, mean, I miss those two guys. I, I, I would fall into the same category. I didn't necessarily feel too strongly about it. Only once I saw that it, like, you know, they weren't, like, doing some massive thing. It was, like, a pretty quick little thing. Um, and, you know, they, I, I, they, they did donate to both of their respective charities, which I think is just a good thing for humanity right like that's sure, good i don't have a problem like doing that outside yeah, of like the actual I, field yeah i i'm just i'm i'm with you um i am not 
for this at all. Um, I said this, I, I remember I was in the studio with Cody and Kevin Wells, uh, I think when they announced the home run derby field and that Albert was going to be in it. And I was just like, I have no interest in this. I, you know, some people are like, oh, you have to respect what he's done for the game and what he mean. No, I don't. I absolutely do not. <laughs> I'm a bitter, miserable piece of garbage of a person. I don't have to respect anybody or anything. I don't like the Cardinals. I do not like Albert Pujols. I despise Yadier Molina, right? Is that, is, is, does that count as respecting Pujols that I wouldn't use the same language as I would for Yadier? I think it does, Yachty? a little bit. But beyond yeah, that, I don't have to do anything. What am I, an ambassador for the game of, of baseball, for Major League Baseball? I hate the Cardinals with every fiber of my being. It, it, okay, so it sounds like you care more than me. You're working yourself up over there. Nah, no, I... I <laughs> Like, you know, think of it like if okay. they if they did like something for Ryan Braun, right? I have to, what, say nice Ugh. things about Ryan Braun when he retired? Ugh. No, I absolutely no. do not. I hate that team. I do not like these guys. Do this, like you said, in the dugout or in the clubhouse. Let David Ross and Jason Hayward do whatever you want. But on the, the turf of Wrigley Field, no, miss me with it. It's like, all right. And why do we have to be the classy organization? Do we do, do any of us think that the Cardinals would do the same thing, and that their no. fans wouldn't be booing or throwing garbage on the field? Right? Like yeah. I, I don't know, not into it. I want, yeah. I mean, this is all to say, bring back Aramis Ramirez next year, please, just <laughs> for me. That, that's, that's, that's the that's main all takeaway. I care about. Right. That's the main takeaway. Um, yeah. So, getting back to the game on Monday, uh, we've talked about him a good deal, Brendan, but the the lone run does come. Uh, from an Albert Pujols home run with Drew Smiley pitching. But otherwise, that was really the only blemish on the night for Drew Smiley. Seven innings, four hits, just that one run. It was the the lone run in the game, two walks and six strikeouts. 3.47 ERA for Drew Smiley. He does have that mutual option going into next year. And, you know, with the way he's pitching, I would assume he will decline that. Um, But you know, maybe you've, yeah. you've got the inside track to to talk with him. I mean, we don't know how the Cubs are going to build their rotation. Um, but even in this particular year, you know, best laid plans, right? You are seeing the value of focusing on depth for your starting pitching. Now, the Cubs, and we'll talk about this later, um, the Cubs do have some, you know, young and exciting guys coming up in AAA, like kind of knocking on the door. You hope they're going to add uh, a top of the rotation arm, at least one uh, in this offseason. But, you know, you you look at the way that they came into this year. Wade Miley has been hurt, has not been able to get back uh, out there, and has not been able to start too many games. Kyle Hendricks uh, has gotten hurt a couple times. Marcus Stroman was hurt, got COVID, missed some time, even even though he's back out there. We'll talk about his start in a second. Um, Keegan Thompson was really good, but, you know, kind of, uh, you know, dealing with now that back injury. So he's going to miss some time and was maybe on a pitch count anyway. So, you know, they're not going to rush him back. The point being, you see the value in having a guy like Drew Smiley, whether or not you planned to be competitive this year or how good you plan on being next year, having a guy that can step in and pitch like this is not some invaluable thing. He's been great this year. I think the template that the Cubs use for Smiley might be applied for other guys in the future. 
Smiley is someone who has stuff that does not rate that well, but he's able to use curveballs almost half the time and locate that pitch with really, really great command. So that's why he's had success. He's going to be 33 years old, to your point, mutual option. Maybe he declines it after that start he did. He did really express he wanted to come back to be to be a Cub. It's just a matter of, okay, well, if other teams want to give you a two-year contract worth maybe $18 million, whatever it ends up being, then we'll see if that happens. And from the Cubs' perspective, do they want to pay money, more money than what they're paying in this year, with his, which is $5.3 million, uh, to bring him back? I'm... I'm not sure the answer to that. His, he's been great. He is 33 years mm-hmm. old. Injuries. Yeah. We've seen the yeah, risk with, with Miley. This year. He did. Yeah. He did. It's a great story. We'll see where we are in the offseason. There's still a lot of baseball left. There's still like seven, six weeks left sure. here. So a lot of things do change. So who yeah, knows? I, I I'm, just in, think I, I'm into it's it. It's a good, and it doesn't have to be Drew Smiley. I think it's just no. a, a good you know, seeing the way that he's pitched, uh, especially, you know, since coming back right around the trade deadline, it's just a good reminder that, you know, sometimes you can have a guy penciled in as your, you know, call it number six starter, your number seven starter, if you're just looking at a deeper depth chart, and those guys might get some serious innings, you know, you might really need to lean on those guys, even if it's just to help you navigate a a stretch of injuries or a, a long, you know, a bad kind of schedule, stretch that you know has double headers things like that uh it's it's never a bad idea to have that depth extend beyond just those five guys that you know make the the intro video and all the you know pitcher photo packaging and things like that the guys beyond that can be pretty important they can be very important no no doubt about that let's see where we are in the off season but yeah he can be an option we'll consider it but quick break here from our sponsors, first of which is PointsBet. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to 2000 bucks. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from CHGO Locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all from making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at lchgo.com and we'll help you out. Your home for live in-play betting just got even better. See an edge in the game you are watching is your favorite team prime for a comeback. Don't just watch the game, bet along with it live. More live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash outs. Follow along with your bets the moment they hit and stay in the live action all game long. Download the PointsBet app right now and use promo code CHGO. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants to help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Second break here from our sponsor, FOCO. Chicago sports fans, your home for the best Chicago sports coverage is partnering up with a leader in sports merchandise and collectibles. CHGO is teamed up with FOCO to secure your access to the best collectibles and gear around, whether it's Bears, Cubs, Sox, Blackhawks, Bulls. FOCO will have something for you, your kid, a friend, or a loved one looking to get some new gear, collectibles, or accessories. FOCO has officially licensed gear for men, women, and kids with everything from bobbleheads to swimsuits to Crocs. FOCO has got you covered with the best Chicago merchandise of your favorite team. For all non-pre-sale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. 
All right, so let's get back into this series with the Cardinals on Tuesday. We do have a double header here. The Cubs win the first game at two to nothing. This one, uh, the debut of Javier Assad. Four innings, four hits, no runs, four walks, and three strikeouts. His first major league strikeout coming of the looking variety on the aforementioned Albert Pujols. So that was nice to see. And always nice to see when the Cubs can hang a loss on Adam Wainwright, Brendan. I feel like that's not something they've done a great job of. Uh, How come they didn't honor Adam Wainwright? I think Pujols it, and, uh, maybe he his yeah. retirement is like unofficial. I don't, I don't really remember. I don't I, as as a Cubs fan who's already stated my opinion about this, I, I don't know. I didn't keep up to date on that. So I don't know who announced what. Uh, I'm just kind of going with what everybody's saying. So I don't know. I don't really care. <laughs> I, I wish the three of them would just go away. Um, he's so annoying. I will say of, of all three of them, I know you hate Yachty. Like Pools, he's like, you know, he's whatever. But Wainwright is so annoying. Like he was talking about, oh, why aren't we discuss as one of the greatest duos of all time, me and Yachty? Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, like what are you talking yeah. about right now? I mean, come on, ridiculous. Oh <sighs> boy. Um. So the Cubs get, hate getting their runs in Game One on a Nico Horner ground out and a Seiya Suzuki RBI single. That all coming in the bottom of the third, and that was all that she wrote. the The beginning of this series, Brendan, was not particularly ripe. Uh, with offensive production, uh, kind of a slow start to this series. Uh, Ca- you know, Cardinals winning one to nothing on the homer game one, two to nothing Cubs win in game two. Some notes from this first game: um, Zach McKinstry one for three, had a pretty solid series. Say Suzuki one for four, of course, with that RBI. Uh, and Christopher Morell was two for three in this game. And we also, I, I do want to get your thoughts uh, on Javier Assad, but some other bullpen notes in this game. Brandon Hughes picks up his third save of the year, one inning of work, no runs, no hits, no walks, and a strikeout. Um, he continues to look very good, that Brandon Hughes. Um, Eric Yeoman had a nice outing in this one, one and a third, gets his third hold of the year, just a hit, nothing else on the ledger. But uh, talk to me about Javier Assad, an interesting name. And, and, you know, he is one of those guys who comes up to get this start, uh, but was not someone that I, I think, you know, we talk about the guys that had, you know, Caleb Killian, um, even uh, Wisniewski, who we'll talk about in a little bit because he, he pitched on Thursday night. Um, Assad was not one of those names that I think was on everybody's radar before he came up on Tuesday. No, he, he was having a good season uh, down in, in the minors. He has interesting stuff. And at this point in the season, especially once rosters expand uh, on September 1st, maybe he gets more chances. Keegan's been injured. You get more information. You make more informed decisions in the offseason. But I was impressed by him in that first start. I was curious what he would throw. He has a pretty diverse repertoire. So he throws a cutter, sinker, four-seam curve, change, slider. He throws mostly cutter, sinkers, and four-seams. And he's kind of like a you know 25 to 40% curve, change, slider guy. So he's diverse, dominant with the fastball subtypes. But that cutter, Corey, through 30 of those in his first start from a stuff plus perspective, it rated above league average. Uh, so from a stuff plus perspective, this is a tweet by Eno Saris. It was 114 from just, again, stuff plus. 
Uh, you can interpret this the same way you would interpret WRC plus with anything above 100 being better than league average. And then his sinker, four seam, and curve were around 90. So not drastically below league average. And his slider, which he only threw three times, and it's likely a small sample size issue, but that rated a 140 on the stuff plus scale. Uh, so we'll see if that actually is truly well above league average. I'm kind of optimistic that it might be, just given that the cutter, he may have natural uh, arm action that leads to that type of horizontal movement. So maybe the slider is not a 139 over time, but perhaps it is above league average. But the the goal for me, especially right now before the offseason, is to get as many interesting pitchers on this team in the bullpen and the starting staff and see what you got. Let's let's see how they look. Let's see what some of the data says compared to uh, the, the major league averages. And we've seen sometimes when guys called up, something changes. You work with Tommy Hadevi, you work with Moscow on a more day-to-day uh, schedule, and the environment is quite different. Some guys adapt to it fast. It changes their uh, processes, and some guys struggle with it. I mean, Caleb Killian perhaps have struggled with it. The command has been a little bit off, and the command was quite surprisingly subpar when he was at Wrigley. So you want to get these guys exposed to that environment as much as possible. Yeah, uh, I think that is fair. So turning to the nightcap on Tuesday, we have, uh, you know, someone that we have been getting somewhat of an extended look at. It had been a nice run for Adrian Sampson, uh, but Tuesday night was not his night. Uh, three and a third, eight hits, five runs, no walks, no strikeouts, but two home runs, his fourth loss of the year. ERA sitting at just 4.04. So, you know, again, kind of in that Drew Smiley vein, like he's, you know, picked up a, a pretty solid workload this year um, for a variety of reasons. And for the most part has been pretty good, you know, not necessarily. How do you feel about Samson going into the offseason? For for me, I, I actually like him quite a bit. I like the fact that he has that ability to go from the bullpen to the rotation. And I like that he has command of multiple pitch types. I yeah. think he's a little bit underrated. I Yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, again, like I think he fits uh, maybe, you know, not someone that has the potential that Smiley does if he's playing that kind of depth role. But, you know, again, like I what do, you, what do you mean? I think he has the same potential. Like, I think Smiley, I, I like Smiley. Be be, is better than Samson. I think they're within the projection range. Honestly, I really do. I think Smiley, Smiley is a little bit, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm lower on Smiley than you are. I'm just concerned about the age factor. Sure. And well, Samson is 30 as well. He's 30, but he's not 33. Wow. And it's it's a difference, right? We've seen the age related effects, but the big difference for me is in the in the number of pitch types. Where Smiley throws a curveball almost fifty percent of the time, right? So he's getting away with doing that, and his stuff does not rate that well. He just lives on command, which is great. And so does so does Samson. Don't get me wrong, but I like the fact that Samson just has more pitch types. So sure. To me, that suggests room for improvement, but also the ability to kind of mix and match in certain matchups where Ross can yeah. use him against a certain team. He seems more flexible to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think overall the point is just, again, that, you know, depth is good. Uh, as I said, beyond those top five arms, you know, however you go into the season next year, having that depth is good. And whether we're talking about Smiley or Samson, both of them have been a part of this rotation that has been one of the best in baseball uh, for the last couple months, uh, seriously. 
and <laughs> they're both you know delivering solid starts on a on a more often yeah. than not basis. So uh, if you can have guys like that in the organization, and like you said, especially with Samson, you know, has shown that ability to be able to. Uh, come out of the bullpen or get stretched out to start like that type of stuff is is very valuable and it's going to continue to be very valuable so uh, definitely something uh, worth keeping around as far as this game I don't know how much you guys want to hear how the Cardinals scored their 13 runs Uh, please collect correct me if I'm wrong I'll ignore you but uh, you know if you do want to hear about that we you know it's worth noting Uh, the Cubs did score their runs on a Rafael Ortega RBI double a wild pitch that scored Rafael Ortega a couple innings later and a Fran Mil Reyes ground rule double so Moving to Wednesday, the Cubs picking up a nice win in this one, 7-1, to one, the final on Wednesday evening. The Cubs doing some nice work against Miles Mikolas. Again, you know, someone that I, I feel like they don't always hit that well, and who had been pitching really well, uh, even after giving up three over six and two-thirds in this one, a 3.35 ERA for Mikolas. So nice job by the Cubs there. Luke Farrell, getting the start in this one, a name we have heard before over the years, four and a third, six hits, one run, no walks, and three strikeouts. So all things considered, a pretty nice spot start there for Luke Farrell. Rowan Wick picks up the win in this one. He actually came on in relief of Farrell. Uh, He goes one and two-thirds, two hits, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts. So, you know, Wick has had a couple of of nice outings after struggling uh, pretty mightily over the weekend. So, you know, keeping an eye on that, I suppose. Mark Leiter Jr. with a clean inning of work and a strikeout. Brandon Hughes, a clean inning of work with three strikeouts in the game on Wednesday Mm. night. He continues, as I said, to be very, very good for the Cubs. The Cubs getting their runs in this one. Zach McKinstry with his first home run as a Chicago Cub. Jan Gomes with a ground out that drove in the first run of the game. Nelson Velasquez with an RBI double that drove in the second. Zach McKinstry also drove in a run uh, with a ground out in the second that made it three to nothing. Then McKinstry's homer. Uh, made it 5-1 to one in the 7th, and then in the bottom of the 8th, Nico Horner and Jan Gomes driving in some runs. And then the finale, and we can wrap up this uh, recap here, 8-3, to three, the Cardinals winning the finale to snap the Cubs series win streak at 5. Remember, it was 5, and then they also won that random game with the Orioles. So, very nice stretch for the Cubs. And I actually have a quote from Jed Hoyer that I want to read about that, Uh, but not Marcus Stroman's day. Five innings, 11 hits, five runs, two walks, and just one strikeout. Uh, So, Brandon, a a disappointing outing for Marcus Stroman, especially after his most recent outing. Uh, But, you know, again, he's he's still been quite good lately. uh, And as we talked about last time, very good when he has been able to be out there and be 100%. This uh, one particular start doesn't really change that, even if it was not a good one. Yeah, Stroman, the stuff is still there. That's the encouraging part from all the metrics and the movement, the velocity, everything that you would want to see Marcus display is there. What's not there consistently has been some of the command, where in stump starts, he looks really good. The fact that he was able to go into the eighth inning the previous start was because he was locating everything. This one, 
the command was not there, right? So how, why that's happening, of course, the cops will explore it. But for those types of uh command-induced problems, I'm generally not concerned about that. I would be more concerned if there was an obvious difference in his stuff. Now, we've seen that with Kyle, where the command has not been there, but the stuff has been there, and Kyle's issue ended up being that he has a torn shoulder. So I guess if you want to think worst-case scenario, you just hope that Marcus is still okay. And now that I'm talking about this, I might be working myself up, and hopefully Marcus is not injured. Yeah. I know that I don't know. I don't know why I just thought about that, but here I am again. Uh, but I don't, you know, I don't think that there's reason to be concerned. If everything is healthy and he's feeling good, then it's just a matter of time where we see those results start to translate. Yeah. So uh, on the offensive side, uh, it was a you know a decent series for someone like Nick Madrigal. Um, you know, had some not so great games, had some solid games. So he continues to kind of you know work his way back to kind of getting those numbers where you like. Say a Suzuki did have a nice game on Thursday, going two for four. Ian Happ three for four with the uh, with two RBIs in the game. On Thursday, he continues to have a really nice season, made some nice catches uh, up against the Ivy as well throughout this series. Uh, And Nico Horner in this series had a nice, uh, I think, last couple games to finish this series, Brendan. He was in, I didn't even realize he was in such a prolonged slump. Um, I think it was over his last 25, and then he went three for four in the game on Wednesday, and then, uh, as I said, had the one hit in the finale on Thursday. So good to see him snap out of it. I know it's not something that we were worried about, but I, I didn't even realize that. I, I read the stat from our guy Ryan Herrera, and I was like, really? I just, I, I guess I just assume he's just getting hits all the time. Um, <laughs> but either way, you know, good to see him kind of snap out of that and, uh, you know, especially on on Wednesday, mm-hmm. provide a nice uh, three for four game with, with two runs scored and RBI, mm-hmm. you know, just, just looks nice. He's just still doing Nico things. Still has a WRC plus of 110, despite that slump. He did technically, in my mind, hit a home run in, I think, the second or third game, but he just hit that 353 feet down the left field line right, right by the well area. So in most ballparks, I think every other ballpark, actually, that should have been a home run. So in in my mind, he has eight home runs this year, of course. I don't, Only two away from 10. I don't, I don't know if that's technically how it works. Uh, that's but, how it works for me, though. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Um, yeah. I do want to read a quote from Jed Hoyer that I think is particularly interesting because, you know, we, we've talked, uh, I think we talked about it on the last episode or maybe the one before, uh, you know, with Nico talking about the importance of winning and this team looking good. And, you know, we, we have obviously enjoyed, I think, as fans, uh, that series winning streak and, you know, kind of getting ourselves as far away from this team losing like 10 games in a row at a time uh, as we possibly could. And so Jed Hoyer spoke to the media on Thursday morning and kind of talking about, um, you know, the team playing well and, you know, maybe if that is messing up their draft positioning, things like that, um, you know, and just kind of how he's looking at all of that. And he said, quote, I'm thrilled that we're playing this way. There were a lot of parts of the season that were really frustrating. We felt all along that we knew this was probably a tough needle to thread. We knew a lot of things had to go really well to compete against where the Cardinals and the Brewers were this year. I think we said that, but we felt as we were struggling, we're much better than this. Uh, and he went on to kind of talk about, you know, not necessarily, he, he went on, he was asked on kind of the feeling, uh, in the second half of 2014, you know, going into that offseason ahead of the 2015 season. And, you know, he 
of course, isn't going to say it's the same thing, uh, but he did kind of allude to the fact, like he said, you know, the last couple of months were impressive of that season, uh, and it definitely gave us confidence that we were building on top of of what was starting to be real, and we had young players there, and I'd love to feel that way again. So he's, he, of course, being the kind of like, you know, close to his chest kind of guy that he is. Which I like. Not going to say, yes, this is exactly no. like 2014, but in, in reading these quotes and just sort of hearing him talk, you, you can, and, and going back to how disappointed he seemed to be when the team was playing really, really poorly, right? Like, you do mm-hmm. just kind of get this vibe from Jed that this is what he wanted to see, and, you know, kind of hearing it from the man up top that what Nico was talking about is true, and it's important, you know, not only for prospective free agents or the players currently on the team, but also just for the executives running the team, that Jed has that same feeling as he did in 2014, that you're going to go and build on top of what you're looking at right now. You're going to go and build on top of Nico Horner and Christopher Morell and Marcus Stroman and Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson. And you, you want to have that feeling that that base is there and it's ready to be hopefully significantly added to, right? And like, I don't know, Brennan, like, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Like, I always feel like the Michael Scott gift, like I'm, I'm ready to get hurt again, right? I think you are. I'm always ready to get hurt by this team. Um, But like you you've just heard it from a lot of circles now and it it's not the first time that you've heard ownership or Crane Kenny or Jed Hoyer talk about spending and the money being there blah 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 but you you've heard a lot recently even just over the last couple of weeks or months and you kind of put that together with like okay there is a, a good bit of talent here like this is not a you know 2011 or 2012 situation where like this team is devoid of any young talent or any talent at all you have had a lot of your younger guys and kind of question marks as you came into the season answer those in a positive way like i don't know what to expect in this offseason, but you do kind of get that 2014-ish vibe. Now, the Cubs do not have the same kind of prospect class, right? They don't have Chris Bryant coming up to potentially win every major award conceivable at the major league level, but you do have some guys, you know, pushing on the door at AAA. You do have some guys that you've gotten in there at the major league level that have shown success. So, you know, with a a fairly active offseason, maybe things get a little interesting. That's at least the kind of smoke that I'm starting to allow myself to believe in. You might be setting yourself off for some disappointment, but I'm right there with you. So I'm setting myself off for disappointment as well. But before we go back to Jed's comments, quick break from our sponsor, PointsBet. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of 
of your choice from the CHGO Locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out in case you did miss it. Online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. You'll be signing up at the fastest sports book that's easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. First off, I like how Jed is being close to his chest. I I liked how Theo sometimes was not, but I prefer just winning baseball games, and I prefer mitigating media disasters. And there were some media disasters over the years. I don't want to get myself worked up over this, but there were. So just like, don't say anything. Just keep it close to your chest. The 2014 analogy is fine. I think it's interesting. The the difference as you were discussing what the Cubs did between 2014 and 2015. The difference, yes, is in those in those prospects. Corey, of course, Chris Bryant, other top prospects they acquired that season. The difference now is that we don't have a John Lester in free agency that we can go get. And that that's concerning to me. Not concerning, but it's unfortunate and disappointing to me that's not a possibility. The way you get a John Lester is if you go trade for one. And those are hard to find as well. So for me, going into next season, you would want some stability atop the rotation. And Strowman, yes, he is on a relatively team-friendly deal. Yes, he has a dynamic repertoire, and I do enjoy seeing him pitch, but John Lester's are very difficult to find, and they don't quite have that on target right now. So that's, for me, a huge point of emphasis going into next season. And then the second difference is while the Cubs may not have those top 10 prospects right now, the volume of current big leaguers and AAA guys knocking on the door is higher than it, than what we saw in 2014 sure. and 2015. So the thinking is, although the the quality is maybe not quite high as it was with a Chris Bryant MVP guy, the thinking is, well, if one of them doesn't end up working now, you still have three other options that you can give playing time to and mix and match. So I do think it's quite different. I, I like the 2014 analogy, but the makeup of the team is just completely, completely different. And in that respect, I don't, I, I don't think it's quite similar, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, hopefully just similar in the sense that it kind of set the like foundation. You like you want to spend money to actually... Yeah, just like, okay, the, the team wasn't good, but they start to kind of piece some things together that, you know, allow you to kind of think, okay, we've got something here, we have a base we can build with, and you take it from there. I, I don't know, Brendan, over the weekend, John looked pretty good. I, I mean, I, you know, I don't know what his fastball is sitting at these <laughs> days, but like, you say we can't get a John Lester, like, I, you know, I, is he busy? I thought you wanted him to manage, Corey. He can't do both. Do you want to be a player manager? Maybe he can do that. Yeah, that sounds great. I, it sounds Ross like fan fi- you say that like it's not a fan fiction that I've written where just every role on the team is <laughs> occupied by John Lester. He's DHing, he's DH pitching, too. he's yeah. managing. What can't he do? Well, he is the original Otani, so right. yeah. You know. So this sounds yeah. great to me. Um, okay. So you know, looking back through this series, I, I'm not, I'm not sure that there's too much more specifically. There's a couple minor league things uh, that I do want to touch on. Um, you know, but as far as the stuff that we've been monitoring, Brendan, you know, like I said, it was you know kind of an up and down. Um, series for Madrigal. He did not, you know, lead. He didn't play every game in this series, went 0 for 4. 
um, in the game on Wednesday, but, you know, did have uh, some nice games in there. So, you know, again, like still just kind of like keeping an eye on that. Um, You know, Nelson Velasquez, not playing every day, but still showing those flashes. But, you know, as we're recording this, you know, not not still rating uh, as a below league average hitter. But, you know, that's a tough one, Brendan. Like he's he's one of those guys where I think you'd, you'd like to see him get uh, more consistent playing time to really be able to know what you have there. Um, and that's not necessarily something that's happening. So, you know, of the stuff, you know, as I said, Saya had uh, a good game in the finale. He also had a one for four game in this series. Um, and then in the second game of this series, also one for four. Um, you know, so he continues to kind of make those adjustments. And, you know, we're probably going to have to wait till the end of the year, I think, to have a firm grasp on the year that he had and, you know, really be able to look at at, at the whole picture. He did go over mm-hmm. three in the game on Monday. Um, you know, so that's kind of, I, I think, where things stand as far as the major league roster is concerned. Christopher Morell 0 for 4 in the game on Thursday, but he also had a couple nice moments earlier in the series. So, you know, I think not a not a transformative. We have some series, Brendan, where you can look back at them and there's like a clear, like, transformative, um, you know, set of games for a particular player, right? Like, you know, there was a stretch for Nick Madrigal where he had, like, we would come on here and talk, and, you know, three games, and it was like, okay, this is a big series for him, or, you know, this guy went, right, yes, or this guy went, you know, one for 12, and, you know, what do we think? Are we concerned about this? You know, this was kind of a, you know, up and down series for a lot of guys, you know, not necessarily... anything that I think is is changing too much of what we were thinking about beforehand. So I, I do want to look at a couple things from the minor league level um, that are going on, and especially as it relates to the major league level. So, you know, we talk about someone like Javier Assad getting the opportunity in this series. Uh, you know, you broke that down, obviously. Someone who is, of course, of great interest is Hayden Wisniewski, who started the game on Thursday night for the Iowa Cubs. Five innings, two hits, one earned run, and seven strikeouts. Um, That was a really nice start for uh, Wisniewski. His last two starts, a total of 10 innings pitched, so five innings each, just three hits allowed, just the one earned run allowed, and 12 strikeouts. Uh, Alex Cohen, the uh, broadcaster for Iowa, you know, noting just that his slider is absolutely filthy. Um, and you talked about Killian a little bit, and he's been on a, a better stretch, I think. You know, some games giving up some runs, but we're not seeing those massive control problems, uh, especially right. like we saw at Wrigley. So, you know, kind of fine-tuning everything there. I just bring those guys up because we are, uh, you know, a little under a week away from September. Rosters are going to expand by a little bit here coming up soon. Keegan Thompson is dealing with an injury. Kyle Hendricks is probably not coming back. Um, You know, you had Samson get blown up a little bit. You had Assad take one of these games. Luke Farrell starting one of these games. How... Do you expect to see both of those guys? How crucial is it to see both of those guys? Um, You know, since we're, you know, Wisniewski started tonight, I think it's just, or excuse me, on Thursday night, it's a good opportunity to discuss, like, 
what do we want to see from those guys in this last month and you know how that relates to this offseason and you know eventually coming into camp for 2023 I want to see both those guys I know there's going to be 40 man issues I understand the entire process but I want to see Wisniewski right now like bring him up tomorrow uh now of course being hyperbolic you may have to go through more of an adjustment period with a new franchise but like from a greedy perspective I want to see him pitch in front of Wrigley I want to see how he contrast with Killian. My thinking with, with with Wisniewski right now is so centered on his wipeout secondary pitches and on that slider and his relationship with Daniel Moskos. I want to see that continue at the big league level. I want to see if we can find an additional gear that increases strikeouts and gets him in better shape in a position for the 2023 season. Again, I, we know no details. So maybe him staying in AAA is the best decision, and that's what it is. And, of course, I'm fine with that, too. I just want to see both those guys. Killian, though, he's been I mean, he's been disappointing, dude. I think that's – like, that's – you kind of have to be a little bit – I have to be a little bit honest with myself. Uh, I expected more, man. I did not expect these command issues. I, I it's, it's really weird to me to have a guy go from having a walk per nine rate of like under two batters in 2021 in 15 starts in double a to this uh walking over four guys per per game in triple a and, and having complete command escape them at wrigley this year in three starts so i i don't know the process with that with killian too he has gone through a lot of different pitch changes. He's changed his curveball to a spike curveball. We know at times he's working on a changeup, and that's great. Like if you can develop that changeup and that curveball becomes a pitch you can rely on, then yeah, you can see that strikeout rate of 11 batters per nine innings in AAA translating to the big league level. But I think I might be more confident with in Wisniewski right now, and it's because Wisniewski has that wipeout pitch. We'll see what it rates on the, the major league scale, but some of the early data that you see suggests that that stuff plus or that percentile raking on his slider might be beyond any secondary pitch that Killian has. Right. So my thinking is, all right. Well, you already have with Wisniewski a top tier breaking pitch, a secondary pitch that can probably give you whiffs. He also has comfort in a changeup. He also throws that cutter and a four seam and a sinker. He has five pitch types. And again, so does Killian. But Killian's relied almost exclusively on fastball subtypes, the cutter, the uh, and the other two fastball sinkers and four seams. So that's how Killian's been getting by. He's only been throwing a, a curveball, at least when he was with the Cubs in 11 innings, granted, 11 innings got wrecked, but he only threw it once every 10 pitches, right? So I got to see more of it. I'm a little, I'm disappointed in Killian. I mean, I'm still pretty high on him. They can be, you know, an average to above average starter. But I got to say, like my attitude is shifting to towards being more optimistic about Wisniewski. And that can change once you see him at Wrigley as well. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Another guy, we have discussed the 40-man issues and potential a lot, uh, but Matt Mervis continues to just rip the cover off of the ball. 
j- driving in a, a ton of runs, uh, just an RBI machine. Call them up too. This year. Uh, yeah, we've detailed why they may not do that. Um, you know, you can certainly. DFA Schwindel and call them, uh, call them uh, Yeah, look, uh, there's, there's, de- if you look the at team. the Cubs 40, man, there's definitely plenty of DFA like candidates. Seven guys on there. Uh, there are, you know, we've gone through, there are a lot of people that they may want to protect from that Rule 5 draft. So, like Jason they're, Hayward? No, not like Jason Hayward. Um, he's on the 40, man. Yeah, they don't need to protect him from the Rule 5 draft. <laughs> um, you know, so I, that's, I think, why they haven't done that and why they may not do that. Um, I, You know, it, it might be nice to get him some experience over that last month at, at Wrigley Field. You know, a little uh, Mervis Wisdom Platoon at first base, I think, makes a lot of sense, may make a lot of sense for next year, depending on where you decide to spend the rest of your free agent budget but again we've detailed why they may not do that uh the kind of cluster that is the the potential 40 man and guys you need to protect that are rule five eligible uh do you want to add Mervis now because he is not eligible for the rule five draft we will see what they do uh over this last month here and then uh just because it is a lot of fun uh, in South Bend on Thursday evening, a big night for a couple of guys. If you're an MLB pipeline person, Pete Crow Armstrong, PCA, is your number one Cubs prospect. Uh, we did note that Brendan Davis is back out there. Uh, he's you know going to start uh, working his way through the uh, minor league levels, uh, you know, with the hope of, of I think, getting him uh, back up to AAA. Eventually, he obviously started in the Arizona Complex League and, uh, you know, now is, is going to move around uh, starting at the lower levels. So hopefully that process continues to go smoothly as the minor league season gets closer to wrapping up. But PCA, according to MLB Pipeline, is your new number one Cubs prospect. Three for five uh, with a home run in the game. On Thursday night, he also stole his 16th base of the season, and he just looks amazing, Brendan. He he, he has a, a little, oddly enough, he does seem to have a little bit of Javi in him where you're, you're going to have to take... He's very fast and very aggressive, right? So he he I I was you know looking at some of the games from this week. He he does you know maybe get picked off or thrown out trying to take an extra base, but he's one of those guys where you want him forcing the issue, right? He has that speed and athleticism to create stuff out of nothing, and you know especially as he's playing in South Bend now, you have the time to kind of you know let him figure out the appropriate ways to use those skills. But when you watch him play, mm-hmm. he just has the he's got he can hit the ball foul pole to foul pole. He is left-handed, so he's obviously, you know, getting a, out of the box a, a little quicker, right? And he, he just flies. Like, it's it's very easy Big to time. see how valuable uh, a player he is going to be just simply because of the power he has and the ability to reach base uh, on infield singles or turn singles into doubles, doubles into triples, things like that. Uh, and the other big game for South Bend on Thursday was one Jordan Wogu, who hits three home runs in this game. Uh, and Brendan, I will leave it to you. I'm going to let you do it. Jordan Wogu, his alumni is... You do it. I'm not saying His alma mater is the University of Michigan. Hooray for Jordan and his three home runs. 
just know that if Jordan does well and you're supporting him, which you should of all Cubs prospects, you're in you know, you're inadvertently supporting me. You know, indirectly it's support of me and my alma mater, the University of Michigan. So there you go. All um, right. Moving on. I'm not even going to acknowledge No that. comment on, on have... PCA just because I brought up the University of Michigan? No. Jeez. No, I, I don't want to respond to anything you just said right there. Okay, so moving on. PCA is good, by the way. I'll give you that. Moving on, we have the uh, three-game set against the Milwaukee Brewers. We have a three-game set beginning in Milwaukee Friday at 7.10 p.m. We have Justin Steele pitching this game. Freddie Peralta for Milwaukee. Peralta this year, 4-3, a 4.08 ERA. Steele, very good, 4-7, a 3.25 ERA. Saturday, 6-10 p.m. start time. Drew Smiley takes the mound for the Cubs. Smiley this season, uh, 5-7, a 3.47 ERA. He'll be facing Brandon Woodruff, who is 9-3, a 3.51 ERA. And then on Sunday, to finish off this three-game set, we have Adrian Sampson getting the ball once again for the Cubs in the rotation. Sampson is now 1-4 with a 4.04 ERA. He'll be facing Eric Lauer for Milwaukee. Having a good season, 9-5 at 3.44 ERA. Milwaukee right now is 65 and 58, only seven games above 500. Cubs 54 and 71. If the Cubs sweep Milwaukee, they're nine games back. And then you enter September, anything can happen at this point. The Cubs could finish in second place. Like if Milwaukee falls off the cliff here, I'm kind of, you know, I'm joking about this, but I'm like kind of thinking in, in a worst case scenario, how funny would that be if the Cubs finish in second place? Like even maybe around 500 over Milwaukee. I would absolutely love that. I'm hoping for an, an insane collapse by that team. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. I, yeah, I guess that's fun. Um, I hate the Brewers. You don't care? No, I just don't. Who cares about finishing in second place? So what? I just love seeing Milwaukee suffer. Yeah, I don't know. Celebrating being in second place feels like a Brewers thing. You know what I mean? So I just didn't like the Cubs stink. I, you know, whatever. But the Brewers yeah. missing the playoffs is funnier to me than whatever okay. it has to do with the Cubs. But that's fair. Yeah. I'll accept that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, same same stuff in this series. I mean, I think the most important thing, honestly, like I just want to see this team continuing to play well. Um, most of the games in this, you know, again, this series had a little bit of everything. You had some close games. You had the Cubs winning by a, a, a crooked number. You had the Cardinals winning uh, by 10 and also by five and then a couple of uh, really close games. So, you know, just want to see this team continue to play well. There's there's a lot of guys who are maybe trying to carve out a role for next year, and there's a lot of guys who are definitely going to have some kind of a role next year. So, I think it only benefits all of us. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't benefit potential draft positioning, I guess. Um, but I think it's important that these players continue to play well. So that is where the focus is. Um, and as we talked about, you know, you head towards September, like there are a lot of potential roster moves and, and people to see. And, um, you know, this was one series where obviously you have a doubleheader, you've got five games, so you get some interesting names making starts and opportunities for some guys, but, uh, you know, that's going to continue going forward here just with the nature of rosters expanding and uh, guys, you know, getting shut down or, or whatever it is. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's all sort of the stuff that we've talked about in the past. In in particular, I think maybe my, my main focus continues to be on Saya. 
Um, I I just really like him to finish the year out strong. I think there's been a ton of of really good that we've seen from him. I think we've seen the potential. Um, You and I talked recently that, you know, some of the struggles and adjustments are really not particularly surprising, and I don't think stuff that should be alarming, but I think it would do everyone a lot of good if he can finish this, you know, last month plus on a really strong note, have some good games, get that homer total up, um, you know, and just continue to show the complete player that he can be. But uh, I think that is what we have for you. Brendan and I will be back with you on Sunday when the Cubs finish up this series. As always, thank you for your support of everything going on at CHGO, your best way to support that is by signing up at PointsBet using code CHGO. Thank you for listening to the CHGO Cubs podcast. Brendan and I will talk to you again soon. And as always, go Cubs.